Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to Text Talk. We're having a conversation on Acts 24. So glad that you've tuned in to join us today. Edwin, what is our text that we're going to discuss? We're going to be taking a look at the very last two verses of Paul's defense. So this is verses 20 and 21 of Acts 24. I am reading from the English Standard Version. Or else, let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Other than this, one thing that I cried out while standing among them. It is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. So as the Apostle Paul is concluding his defense, he says, well, there may be one thing that uh, stirred up some trouble, and that is, I cried out that for the sake of the resurrection, uh, I, I, uh, I'm I, here. I'm being tried. So let's back up here. Um, I, I've got something. I've got a question I want to ask, but I know okay. it's important for us to set the stage. Back in Acts 23, he's at the council. Claudius Lysias has brought him before the council to try to find out the accusation against him. Right. And he notices there are Pharisees and Sadducees. There I'll are notice that. two That's different right. sects yeah. of the Jews. Call back to yesterday. <laughs> two different sects of the Jews there that have some difference of opinion about resurrection. Yeah. So back in Acts chapter 23... Uh, Verse 6, he perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other part Pharisees, and he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And that caused a hubbub between Mm -hmm. the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which actually caused them to attack Paul. And Claudius Lysias was afraid that he was going to be injured or killed even, so he takes him out of there, and that's how we've kind of eventually get here to Caesarea. Right. But I can't help but notice something. Yeah. There in Acts chapter 23, when Luke gives us the record of Paul's outcry, Mm -hmm. he says, for the hope and the resurrection of the dead. In Acts chapter 24, the word hope is not there. Where's the hope? Where's the hope? All Paul's. Now, Paul is quoting himself, and he can't even get the quote right. What's up with that? This sounds like a contradiction to me, Andrew. What, what's going on here? Does it really? No, I'm teasing you. So uh, I think, um, you know, it'll be a, a neat conversation today is just take a step back and uh, use this as a case study to learn some things and be reminded about some things as we approach the nature of Scripture and the nature of testimony, that what we are looking at when we come to the Bible is this wonderful marriage of the divine working through man to produce this written word, the Scripture, that uh, writers wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, and yet they certainly seem to have uh, used their own vocabulary. With the nature of testimony, you also have the aspect of recollection. And when people give their testimony, what they witnessed, of course, witnessing is what you saw, what you heard, what you felt. Um, That may not always be a carbon copy or a dictation um, of of, of, of the event. 
Well, but Andrew, if it's not the same thing, I mean, Paul is quoting here. So can we trust Paul's testimony at all when he doesn't even get the quote accurately? Well, I think that you would say that uh, hope is not necessarily a distinct concept from resurrection you know, at all. And so what he is communicating is the germane point of the dispute between Pharisees and Sadducees. That was resurrection. That's what caused the tumult. That was a doctrinal difference between those two groups. The reason I bring up this question, and of course, I, I am being somewhat facetious. I am being, you know, playing the well, I hate. I often hate to say devil's advocate, but that is what we call it, playing the devil's advocate on this, because I know that, that critics of the New Testament mm-hmm. or the Old Testament will often find small distinctions. And, and I'm not saying that there's not some decent arguments made that we have to think through pretty deeply. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that. So I don't want to act like the critics out there never say anything that's that, hey, we, we need to face those challenges. But I do know that what often happens, especially on a popular level, yeah. on a meme level, on a tweet level, on a Instagram, Facebook level, sure. on those popular levels, what will often happen is finding something like this mm-hmm. where it's a quote mm-hmm. and it is slightly different. And then they'll just say, well, which one of those things did Jesus say? Mm-hmm. Which one of those things did Paul say? Paul say? I mean, if you can't tell me which one Paul said or you can't tell me which one Jesus said, then how can I trust any of this at all? And I just want to highlight there's not a single one of us looking at what Paul says in this trial thinks he said something different than what he actually shouted according to verse 23. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. none of us that thinks mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. There's not a single one of us that when Paul in Acts 23 recalling his outcry leaves out the word hope, says, oh, no, now I can't know what he said. Oh, now it's just unclear what were the actual words. I just cannot trust Luke. I can't trust Paul. Like, we understand that's actually how testimony works. Mm-hmm. We actually understand that's how records work. That, hey, okay, so he dropped out the word hope. But as you pointed out, he had the germane, the important point. The two statements are not actually different in meaning, in concept, in yeah. point. Yeah. At the end of the day, if if you had read Paul's testimony before Felix and I had read Paul's testimony before the council, we wouldn't walk away saying there's a contradiction. Yeah. The only people who walk away from that saying there's a contradiction is people who have a vested interest in denial. Mm-hmm. And so they find these supposed contradictions because the wording's a little different, the order's a little different, it's dropped in at a different place. These yeah. aren't contradictions at all. So let's let's take the next eight minutes or so and just talk a little bit about that. I do want this to be a diving off into some apologetic understanding and defense of the scripture based on on the way people often attack it. Well, I appreciate what you say uh, just a moment ago about at the meme level, at the tweet level, because I think one of the great challenges for Christians with apologetics, which, you know, giving that defense or that explanation for our hope, that's what apologetics is all about, is trying to um, explain something in a soundbite environment. It is so hard. Uh, what 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 is it, Edwin? In in the social media, there's some type of shorthand, a couple of little letters. Is it is it T L R or T? 
Too long didn't read. TLDR is that the TLDR? One? Thank you. Too TLD. long didn't read. Too long didn't read. Um, and you'd be amazed at how many people respond to my posts that way. <laughs> and I'm not trying to get at your your uh, the length of your posts at all, but just to to acknowledge a greater challenge that when we are talking about the Word of God. It's worth concentration. It's worth investment in time. Some of the things are a little bit longer to read. And how to get over to people that are just going to look at the length of a post or even the length of a video and say, six minutes on YouTube? I have a life. I can't give six minutes to that, you know? I had a friend uh, that's once. Hard. I had a friend once who said, "If your rebuttal can't be made shorter than the the original argument, then it then it's obviously not answering the original argument. That's just patently false because it is so easy to toss out a very quick accusation that that's going to take some time to undo and unwind and and untie and explain." So sometimes it does take lengthy time. And that's the challenge. And deep thinking. And that's the challenge we're having here in Acts 24. Tertullus throws several accusations out that if you just listen to that briefly, well, you know, lock Paul away up for life. It takes longer to make the defense, to explain what I believe, and I'm not a part of this sect you just hit me with that label, and uh, and I you said I started a riot. Could someone from the riot please you know please step forward? But it takes time to go find somebody right to bring witnesses to bear and to testify. I mean, really, this is a beautiful little case study right here in this trial of the challenge that all apologists face to make up a lie to marginalize with a label is short and is easy. You don't have to think about it, but the truth when presented, becomes a pebble in someone's shoe, and they can't walk away from it. Getting back to this this apologetic idea, okay, maybe we have time for an example before we have to wrap up. I know in the gospel accounts of the resurrection, there there are some different things that are said. One account mentions the different women coming, you know, different names are listed. One okay. account mentions an- they find angels there. One mm-hmm. says men. Mm-hmm. Uh, one seems to say they only see one angel. One seems to say, or not seems to say, one says they see more than mm-hmm. one angel. And so as we consider this, what often happens is, well, which was it? Was it angels or was it men? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's think through this idea of testimony. Yeah. Do we have mutually exclusive statements or do we have those who are recalling the evidence using the words that, that get across the point they're trying to make? One gives us the appearance of what they saw. Mm-hmm. These angels look like men. And yeah. so they saw two men in shining apparel. Yeah. It's not telling us that they saw two humans. Right. It's telling us that they saw two beings that appeared as men. When I look at the other account, I recognize that these beings that appeared as men were actually angelic beings. When I look at the difference between one versus two, it's interesting to me that as you start putting the timing together, you find out that well, maybe we're actually dealing with two different moments in this, these resurrection appearances. Mm-hmm. And so as they're recalling the different moments that are important to them, mm-hmm. to each writer, mm-hmm. they highlight the different aspects of it. These, these are all kinds of things. I, I think of another example where uh, we, we find out that I believe it was a centurion that sent to Jesus to heal his son. 
And in one gospel account, the centurion says to Jesus that, that he wants him to heal his son. But in another account, the centurion sends a Jewish envoy who says, yes, you should do this. Right. And so which one was it? Was it the centurion himself who spoke to Jesus or was it through the envoy? Okay. What we've got is these authors choosing the aspects of the story that make their point. And one is highlighting. So if I used you as my ambassador to go ask John Smith, I'm not speaking of any particular John Smith, but I sent you as my envoy to ask John Smith some question. Somebody writing the record someday might say, Edwin asked John Smith. And they would be absolutely accurate because it's my question. Somebody else might write, Edwin sent Andrew to ask John Smith. Mm -hmm. These aren't different things. They're the same point. What we need to understand is that the gospel writings, the New Testament writings, were not court transcriptions. They weren't somebody, a stenographer, walking behind Jesus or Peter or Paul, writing it down to make sure that every time it was ever reported, it was reported with the exact same words. What we have is, here's who Jesus is. Here's what Jesus taught. Here's who his disciples were. Here's how they reacted. Again, we see this exact same thing when Paul Luke's record of it in 23, he mentions hope in the resurrection. Paul's recollection of it, it's just the resurrection. Those aren't different statements. Those are the same thing. Is it the exact same quote? Can can we know the exact words? Maybe not. It may be that his exact words were different than both of these. But we know what Paul said. We know what it accomplished. We know what was going on. We don't have to have any doubts about that at all. Because that's how record, recollection, and that's how the Gospels and the Bible works. We, we don't have any reason to be worried about it. And I think that, that we should take great encouragement then that in this soundbite environment, this social media environment, that just because somebody tweets out, the Bible's full of contradictions. Or somebody says that in a YouTube video and they say it with confidence. They sound authoritative. It doesn't mean that they know what they're talking about. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean that it's uh, not worth the investigation, the thought, and the time to discover the truth. And in that process, the Bible is proven true again and again. Faith is affirmed and faith is built. Uh, you know, so I think it's good to have a discussion like this and to encourage uh, Christians, encourage those who have questions and, uh, you know, maybe some doubts. Dig in, dig in. And God's we'd like word to, is true. We'd like to talk with you about we'd it. We'd like to help. Send us an email about that, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. And Edwin, why don't we conclude this episode with a prayer? God in heaven, thank you very much for your word and the record of it that we have is the Bible. May we read it. May we study it. May we know it. May we learn from it. May we love it. May we live it. Father, may we not be turned away from it by those who are critics. May we be challenged and step up to the challenge and dig deeply so that we might answer those who would ask us a reason for the hope that's within us. But may we, Father, stay true to your word and bring glory to you above all things. We love you so very much, Father. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. 